In last week's episode, I went over five things that my clients who successfully retired early implemented so that they had a fulfilling, fun, purposeful, and financially sound retirement. In today's episode, I'm going to be doing the opposite, not just telling you all the terrible things, but I'm saying, hey guys, here are 10 things I need to make sure that you are avoiding if you are considering an early retirement. So it's almost like a part two to last week, but if you haven't heard last week's episode, totally fine. This episode is still going to resonate, but I do encourage at least listening to both at some point. With that being said, I want to start to hop right in because I'm too excited and I just want to start going over these with you. I do want to go over a recent review and this comes from a YouTube comment and I want to say thank you because of a very special comment. It's going to be sad, okay? Now, I do not want to start off your Monday in a sad way if this is when you are listening to this episode, but it is sad but important and maybe it's going to re maybe rewire your brain a little bit. Probably not, but I, let's see what you think, okay? This comes from James Chavez5723, who says, a friend kept moving those goalposts from 1 million, 1.5 million to 2.2 million. This took him four years. Sadly, he dropped dead two weeks later. I bet he would have settled for that 1 million in those four years back. It's a very sad comment, but James Chavez5723, thank you for sharing that on YouTube. The reason I'm bringing that up today is there's a lots of mistakes out there and I do not want you to make them when it comes to an early retirement. I also don't want you to get overwhelmed and go, oh my gosh, there's so much to this, I'm not gonna take action. I know, and a lot of you know this, but I'm a soccer player and when I go to physical therapy and they show me exercises that sound good with fancy names, but I don't know actually how to do them if they don't show them to me, I know they're good for me. I know I should do them. I don't do them, okay? I'm a human being. And because of that, I wanna make sure that I understand the exercises and I'll make them show it to me two or three times until I go, great, I get it. Now I can't wait to do the reps at home because I see how it's gonna help me. Same thing here. What's happening is this friend, they kept moving the goalposts back because they did not have confidence as to how much they needed when they retired. And I'm sure they said, yep, I've got a million bucks. I'm good to go. But you know, one and a half, I'd feel a whole lot better. Yeah, six more months, one more bonus, then I'll retire. Yeah. 2.2 million sounds good, but you know, I'd really love to have three. And then all of a sudden you can pass away and none of us know how long any of us have. And that is the reason in large part, I do what I do. I do not want you later in life going, I'm kicking myself because I didn't consider retiring early and I don't want to retire too early. Okay. I'm not Mr. Nice guy. That's just going to say, Hey, you can go retire, but if you want my green light or green flag, there's steps we have to walk through. And I'm going to walk you through what I need you to avoid if you are considering this. So Let's start to hop through my little list here I put together. And the first one is underestimating expenses. It is fun to talk about investments and tax strategy. And you know, I'm going to talk about them more than the average person because I obsess over this stuff. But with that said, underestimating expenses is a very simple thing that many people do not even consider. They go, yeah, here's what I think we spend. We think it's pretty good, but we're not sure. So number one is in the description of this episode and last week's, really every single video, I have a free cash flow planner. I fully recognize I'm not going to work with all of you. If you do have the pleasure of working with us, Root, and I have the pleasure of working with you, amazing. But the truth is I won't get to work with all of you and you won't get to work with us just because There's lots of reasons for that, but the premise is I want to give you a bunch of free resources that you can use if we even are not working together. So with that being said, go into my description. You'll see that cash flow planner there. 
Many people are going to assume that your spending is going to drop drastically in retirement. And the truth is there are going to be some things that are going to drop. For example, maybe you have a mortgage today. Maybe that's going to go away. But then all of a sudden there's healthcare expenses. And then we have to layer onto that. Well, you're in good energy. You have good health. Maybe you're going to travel more. How much travel can you do? And being able to accurately reflect how much you want to spend throughout time is very difficult. And so here's what you're going to do you're not going to try to perfect it, okay? What you're gonna do is understand that there's gonna be a retirement smile and everyone's smile is gonna look different. So if you don't know the retirement spending smile, the analogy is the following. There's a book on it that's wonderful that I'll talk about later, but they talk about the slow-go years, the go-go years, the no-go years, and all these different fun analogies, but here's how what I need you to know. The truth is most of you are gonna retire early, you're gonna have your energy, you're gonna have your health, you're gonna spend more. So you're gonna be at like the top of this smile, okay? Then, almost think of like a smile, now we're going down the smile and what's happening is you're spending less in your 70s. Why? You don't have your same energy. You don't have your same health. You're still spending on your core necessities. And then the smile, we're coming back up to the other side of the smile, where now you go, oh my gosh, I have more money than I thought, or medical expenses are really rosen, or oh my God, charitable giving, or oh my God, I'm going to die with more than I expect. I got to start spending this. That's going to happen. And so some people go, well, Ari, my cash flow planner says 8,000 a month. So that's my number. It's not, okay? I hope you marry your partner forever, unless they're not an ideal partner, then please don't. But if they are, wonderful. And even from there, I say, don't marry your asset allocation. Don't marry your partner. Don't marry XYZ. So that's number one. Don't underestimate your expense. Number two, neglecting healthcare. I have another ebook in the description, Complete Guide to Health Insurance. It's fairly wide in the way I talk about it, but it's going to give you a good overview of how to even consider health insurance planning in retirement. The truth is you are not going to have an employer once you retire, and a lot of you, it's going to make you uncomfortable. Why? You've had health insurance for many, many years, and the concept of going out and getting health insurance is weird. I have some clients that have retired early, and they're on short-term health insurance. I mean, it's covering the bare necessities. They're not paying a lot for it, but the truth is they're in good health, and they are not expecting a, a big healthcare event to occur. They're protecting against catastrophes and that's pretty much it. I have other clients that are spending, I think my biggest client is spending like 1800 a month just themselves for healthcare. Okay. So you're looking at, you know, nearly $25,000 a year on just healthcare expenses. And it's a big expense, but it's another one you need to account for. And it's not for forever. Okay. It's a temporary expense that once again, you want to account for but that's it. So my dopey joke, clients say, all right, how am I going to pay for health insurance? I go, you pay for it. You don't do it with a smile, but you pay for it. So once again, making sure you're planning for healthcare and not neglecting it. Number three, um, I have tapping savings prematurely. So what I wrote here is relying too early on your retirement accounts, having no way to bridge that gap. So some people come to me, they're 58 years old. They're going, oh, well, you know, I think it happened to my IRA at that 59 and a half. And so because of that, that, that tells me I've got about a year and a half till I need the fund. So maybe I'll stick like 40,000 to a brokerage account over the next year. And I'll say, I'd rather you go renovate your home. They're like, what do you mean? I thought I should just kind of save. You talk about the brokerage account. Why are you lying to me now? You said brokerage account. Now you're telling me to go renovate the home. I, I want to be really intentional. So every single plan is different. But the big thing is if there's these big expenses, that you need to take care of before retirement. What I don't want to have happen is you retire, markets go down, now I need to send you monthly income, and oh, by the way, that renovation that you are doing, maybe it's for aesthetic purposes, but let's assume it's not. Now, all of a sudden, that bathroom, well, that has to get fixed, and it's a higher cost, and markets are down, I'm sending you monthly income, and I'm sending you an additional 30000 to fix your bathroom. Well, now the plan's not looking so good. So the 
premise here is sometimes I want you to prioritize taking care of the big expenses a first few years before you actually retire. Other times I'm saying, yeah, you know what? That's not a, a red flag. It's maybe more of a pinkish flag. So because of that, I want this amount in the brokerage account, this amount to your IRA, and here's why. Don't do cookie cutter planning, okay? So don't just say, I'm just going to put X amount into a brokerage account because I want to retire early. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to optimize, this is the next level pro stuff we're talking about here. Uh, number four, I have ignoring social security optimization, okay? Here's what most people do. Most people go like this. And I'm not saying this in a mean way. This is just true, okay? And one of my clients is going to listen to this right now because I know them. They go, oh my God, that was my question. You're making me sound dumb on, on to all your listeners. I promise they don't know who you are, okay? I know who you are and you're helping thousands of people every single month by me explaining this. And you had said prior that you wanted me to help as many people as possible. And I'm going to send you a separate note. So this podcast episode right now won't even get released unless you give me the go ahead. So you're going to laugh extra when this comes out. Okay. You know who you are. Now let's talk about social security. Here's what most people do. Okay. They'll say, you know what? I think I'm going to collect social security early. And here's why. I know it's not at the largest amount and I could collect more if I waited, but I like the idea of collecting more for more years. So they're like, wait a second, collecting more for more years. So my client misspoke, but the premise here is simple. They're saying, I want to collect less. So let's call it 500 a month to keep it simple instead of a thousand a month, but you get the 500 a month for more years. I know all of you are smart people and you understand that concept. What you might not be thinking is the following. When should I collect social security based on my tax plan? People go, I don't know what you talk about. Well, if you turn on Social Security earlier, even though it's a smaller amount, yes, you do get it for more years because none of us know how long you're going to live. But the truth is, maybe you shouldn't collect it all until age 70, even though you could. People go, well, why not? I think I could collect and then invest and do better. I go, when you turn on that Social Security, you are turning on more income, which allows for less creative opportunities for tax purposes for the next 30 plus years of your life. But mainly it's the next 10 plus years of your life. Because if you're gonna have required minimum distributions starting at age 75 and you turn on social security at age 62, well now all of a sudden you're gonna have income that's coming in the door that's shooting up your overall taxable income, not allowing for as efficient Roth conversions or other purposes. Now some of you don't have a big RMD, required minimum distribution problem, which comes at age 75 for most of you, 73 for some of you. So this will apply to you, but some of a large majority of you, it will apply to that reach out to me. So I need you at least considering this. Okay. So social security optimization, when you collect, there's so much more. I could do a full episode. In fact, I have on exactly this and it depends on survivor benefits. You don't just make your you know election based on you. It's based on your spouse. What about other planning opportunities? So should we consider Roth conversions, donor advised funds, life expectancy, there's a lot to this, but optimizing your social security, a lot of people I find don't do that. Number five is lack of purpose and purpose and fulfillment. There's amazing content out there, not just mine, and maybe mine's not amazing, but I do my best on 401ks and IRAs and Roth IRAs, a whole lot less on purpose and fulfillment in retirement. So right now I'm looking at this on my screen. It is my purpose, the post-career purpose finder is what we call it. And we have someone on staff who actually helps clients walk through this. And what we want to make sure is happening is that you're not leaving anything on the table. So 
people go financially, I, I understand that, but I've never thought about it from a purpose and fulfillment aspect. So I'm going to just uh, imagine right here, you have a retirement vision board. Okay. I know all of you don't right now, but here are just a few, few samples that we talk about in here, just so you can get a taste of this. Okay. This is very elementary, but it might be consulting. It might be part-time. It might be focusing on home projects, time with your spouse, teaching, relaxing, exploring, traveling, mentoring others, playing, which could be golf, writing, the five rings of retirement we talk about, growth, community, health, giving back, finances, um, looking at each core level within those, looking at your core values, meaning what core values are you trying to take the next 20, 30 plus years of your life? In what way are you planning to live? What of those values you actually want to you know, leave for legacy purpose? What do you want your children, heirs, foundations to think? We want you to really identify what you want to do. And the way you do this is by going through this purpose finder exercise. So this is what we're doing with our clients, but just don't ignore the purpose aspect. Too many people I find do because they want to talk about returns and tax strategy and Roth conversions and all that stuff's great. Very fun stuff. We love doing it, but just making sure you have a sense of purpose. Number six, unrealistic expectations. The truth is retirement is not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. I think you know that. And having a plan to prepare for unforeseen challenges, which could be inflation rising, or it could be, oh my gosh, that big medical expense happened for my child. Can I support that? The truth is there are things that are going to change and markets are going to fluctuate. And if you don't have a plan that tells you you are going to be okay, it, it is going to be stressful. Okay. I'm not telling you that to scare you. I'm just telling you that because it's real. And so have a good plan that tells you exactly what you need to do to plan for the unexpected. Number seven, I, I call it unrealistic inflation. Some of my clients are, you know, they'll come on board. We'll talk about inflation and they're like, all right, show me a historic inflation rate of like 6% over time. I'm happy to do it. But if you're trying to get 7% over time, your plan's going to look really bad. And they go, yeah, but I like 6% because like last year it was even higher than that. So I want to plan on that. And I'm not making fun of my clients. I'm just being real here. I, I want to make sure that we're using an inflation assumption rate that you're comfortable with, but we're not being unrealistic. Okay. Don't have unrealistic inflation expectations. Because what I don't want you to have happen is recency bias, which is, yeah, the, the past few years, it's been very high. And we plan on that forever. You look at your plan, it's going to look really bad. And you're going to wonder, oh my God, am I going to run out of money? The truth is inflation is going to do what it's going to do. And we are going to plan for it. And if you plan for it well, even when it rises, even when it deflates, even when there's stagflation, you have a plan for it and you're going to be okay. So unrealistic, overlooking inflation, don't do that. Number seven. Number eight, Mortgage versus, you know, investing. I get this question all the time. Should I pay off my mortgage? Should I invest? Here's the really, really, really simple example, okay? The simple example is the following. People will come to me and they will say, Ari, I want to pay off my mortgage. I'm going to sleep better. I say, great. What the analysis say? They say, I don't know. I just, I'm going to sleep better. So I want to pay off my mortgage. I'll say, what's the interest rate? They'll say 5%. I say, great. What I want you to do is think about it like this. You could go pay off that mortgage and get a guaranteed 5% or you can invest and historically get eight, nine, 10%. They go, yeah, but Ari, that sounds good. That's kind of what you do for a living. So I know you're kind of always talking about markets and sounds good, but I'm going to sleep better by paying off my mortgage. I say, great. Here's what I want you to think about next. The truth is nobody ever has thrown a party when their investments have gone up by $50,000 in six months or a year. But you bet, I'm not going to say it, but you bet your blank that people throw a party when there, pay off their mortgage. No debt. You sleep better. You feel better. One less expense in retirement. So sometimes the decision on the analysis is pretty close, meaning I'll run it for a client and they'll see 
it's about over time, over 30 year period, it's a $40,000 decision. Meaning the opportunity cost is we're leaving 40,000 bucks on the table to instead pay off our mortgage and sleep better. And a client will look at that and say, yeah, happy to do it. I am paying off that mortgage. Good to know, Ari. Thanks for the analysis. $40,000 decision. Help me quantify it, but I'm good. Other times, it's a $600,000 decision. And I want you to pay off the mortgage. I want you to sleep better, but you're gonna sleep even better when you realize that the truth is you are leaving crazy amounts of money on the table. And over time, you're gonna be able to spend a whole lot more, do more legacy planning, and really have an optimal retirement if you are at least just willing to consider not paying the mortgage off in full, still paying a healthy amount. I'm even okay with paying a little bit extra for that momentum, okay? But just not doing this without understanding the magnitude of the decision. So, should I pay off my mortgage? Should I invest? Number eight. Number nine, my dopey joke all of you have probably heard a thousand times. Don't pay more in taxes than you need to. I'm all about being patriotic, but I do not want you to overpay in taxes. That's why we talk about Roth conversions. That's why we talk about tax gain harvesting and tax loss harvesting and all these cool tax strategies that I obsess over because it can save you a ton in money. And if you're going to retire early and your income is going to be low, you have a wonderful opportunity and I hope you know that and take advantage of it. Lastly, and this is number 10, don't let the financial plan, don't let inflation, don't let the markets, don't let your neighbor, let their tail whale your life. Stupid analogy, I get it, but here's the point. I do not want you to go, oh, my neighbor's doing this, so maybe I should do that. Oh, you know what, my plan says this, but markets are doing this, so maybe I should do that. I call that head trash. I want you retiring with total confidence. You know, here's a, a fun story I'll give you. One client came to me and they said, all right, I, I want to help my child out with their wedding. Um, and I said, how much are you thinking? They said about 20,000 bucks. I said, very nice of you. What's the most you can do? And they're like, I, I don't know. I go, great, let's go look. So we did some planning and we showed them that they could spend up to $60,000 on that wedding. They're like, no, 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 that sounds like too much. I go, yeah, it sounds like too much because in your head, your anchoring number was 20,000. So if I told you 200,000, you would have said, that sounds crazy. And they said, you're right. And I said, what if I told you that your mortgage was 200,000? They'd say, well, I'd be really happy because it's 350000 right now. I said, exactly. It's just, what price are we looking at? It depends. What are your assets? If you had a million fewer dollars, I'd say the most you could spend is 10000 And you would say, that's not enough. And I'd say, that's right. I have to be the mean guy here. The point is, understand what is the most you can spend so that you can sit at the wedding of your child and go, I don't have to worry about long-term Jane care. I don't have to worry about is Jane not going to, and my client's name is not Jane, but just use an example. I don't have to worry about is Jane not going to be okay later because I overspent on at my child's wedding. I don't want that head trash even entering your brain. And the only way to combat that is with a good plan. So that's why I obsess over this stuff because you just work too hard to not get the most out of it. That's all I had for today, guys. I hope that this was helpful. These are my 10 points here. Um, 10 mistakes, do not make them when you are considering an early retirement, underestimating expenses, neglecting healthcare, um, tapping into savings too early, ignoring optimizing social security, not having purpose in uh, purposeful routine and fulfillment for that routine in retirement, having unrealistic expectations, overlooking inflation, neglecting debt, underestimating taxes, and don't let any of these other aspects outside of your control impact what you want to do. Make sure that you have a plan that tells you exactly how much you can spend on your kid's wedding or on a boat or when you can retire. Don't let the tax tail whale the life dog. Don't let the neighbor tail whale the life dog. Don't let those other factors, you can still talk to them, of course, and listen to them. Don't let those factor your confidence. Don't let them impact your confidence. Better way to say that. I don't want you looking at an article that says you need 2 million to retire. You might need 500,000 because you have a healthy pension. You might 
might need five million because you want to spend thirty thousand a month. Okay, I've got some characters that are clients of mine in Malibu. Okay, I'm putting it nicely. Okay, and they know who they are and they call themselves this. Okay, they're characters. They want to spend twenty thousand a month, thirty thousand a month. I say, great, go do that. Here's what you need to do. And they'll say, well, that's working a lot more than I thought. I go, that's right. Based on what you want to spend and your investing goals and how we're going to set up your tax and estate plan, that's your earliest kind of time you can make it happen. They're like, fine. I go, what if I want to spend less? I say, if you want to spend less, great. Let's talk about that. And they're like, no, I'd really love to do this and that. I say, great. Let's understand what you want to do in life. What's going to make you happy? What are those trade-offs? You have all these levers and you can choose which ones you want to maneuver based on what you want out of life. So hopefully guys, this was helpful. Please, please do leave a review on iTunes or on Apple, excuse me, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or a comment on YouTube if you're listening there. I want to make the most helpful content for an early retirement on YouTube. So thank you for helping making this dream come true. Thanks, guys. Love you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information if there's anyone out there that you know. I certainly appreciate it, and I will see you all each week. Hey guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial, tax, or legal advice. Consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.